Our Old Testament reading this morning is from Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. And just as a reminder of where everyone is uh, at this point in Exodus, um, <clears throat> the, people of, the people of Israel were in slavery in Egypt. And so they had been crying out to God to deliver them, to rescue them from their oppression. And uh, God had raised up Moses and had brought them out of Egypt through a long process and uh, great difficulty. They get brought out of Egypt and uh, through a lot of signs, the amazing things that they got to see, the way that God worked in power, bringing them out of slavery in Egypt. They get out into, uh, into this wilderness area, and the first thing they do is sing God's praises for bringing them out. And the second thing they do is complain about where they are. What? <laughs> so it is. Um, it seems like going on a uh, <laughs> road trip with kids of a certain age. I won't say what the age is. Very excited for about that first mile, aren't they? Anyway. But they get out in the wilderness and they complain because there's no water there. We can't, we can't drink the water. It's bitter. And so God gives them fresh water to drink. And then they complain because there's no <laughs> food. And so God gives them bread to eat. And so, uh, and as they continue moving on, and um, and so now they have, he's shown them he can provide them water, he has shown them he can provide them bread, so now they will be uh, able to trust him completely and never whine again, just like all of us. Um, <clears throat> that's where we pick up the story. Before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made, and God, we do thank you for uh, your word, which you have given to us. Now, we do pray that by your word and by your spirit, uh, that you would breathe new life into us, uh, that um, God, that we would be uh, enlivened and empowered uh, in our relationship with you and um, the, the ways that you call us to live as um, as your people, today and in the days to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's where we pick up the story. is in Exodus 17, verses 1 through 7. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt and make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders, in the, in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Turning into our gospel reading. 
Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 66. We have uh, been reading about how uh, God had sent an angel to uh, to Mary, saying she was going to have a baby, uh, Jesus. But even before that, sent the same angel to um, to Zechariah and said, your wife is going to have a baby who is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. And uh, his, yeah, his wife, Elizabeth, is now the one we're going to read about as... Um, the Elizabeth mentioned in verse 57. Here we go. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, today is the day of Pentecost, and uh, typically on the day of Pentecost, we talk about, or at least read from, uh, Acts chapter 2, which is where uh, the disciples are gathered in Jerusalem after Jesus' resurrection, um, and as they are gathered there, people have come from everywhere to celebrate uh, Pentecost, this 50 weeks after Passover uh, celebration. And, uh, and while they are there, Jesus had told them, to you know, the disciples, to wait in Jerusalem because uh, until he gives them spirit. And he said, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so it's at Pentecost, while they're still waiting there in Jerusalem. They're praying uh, there in Jerusalem, and that's exactly what then happens, is that God does pour out his Spirit upon them. And uh, then from there, the rest of the book of Acts, we see that going out and uh, proclaiming the good news of Jesus uh, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, so Today is a day we celebrate this uh, God pouring out his spirit on all people. This is what Peter gets up and says when people are like, I think, I think maybe they're drunk. That's, I think that's what's going on because they're, they're saying stuff that, you know, anyway. It sounded strange, odd, ridiculous. And Peter stands up and says, we're not drunk. <laughs> but this is what, uh, what Joel had prophesied, that in the last days, that God would pour out his spirit on all people. And so this is what uh, God had done at this point. And so we celebrate that, and typically that's then what we read and talk about today. We do something a little different. We're actually going to read the very next passage uh, in 1 Corinthians from what we read last week. 
We're going to keep on in our series through 1 Corinthians, where Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, a church that was having problems that uh, are common to lots of churches, not only his day, but in all times. Um, Sometimes the same problems, other times just similar problems. That of trying to follow Jesus in the midst of a culture that is trying to not follow Jesus. And so when you're having the, uh, the pressures of um, kind of going against the grain of the culture, but trying to go exactly with the grain of uh, the universe that God has created, um, there's certain challenges there. And, and the, the church in Corinth had gotten off track in some pretty important ways. And so Paul is writing this letter to them. And this is uh, where we're going to pick up is in chapter two, verse six. And I think you'll understand when we get in this, uh, even before I talk about it all, just reading this, you will see why we're sticking with this passage for today, even on Pentecost and the celebration of God pouring out his spirit. Here's what he says to the church in Corinth. It says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Yeah, so apparently, uh, you know, we talk about the uh, the day of Pentecost, that day of God pouring out his spirit uh, on all people. Um, but apparently that's not the only place in the New Testament that talks about the spirit of God as part of the people of God, right? That's all over the place. And so as we're coming to this passage today, that's very much what is in view is uh, not just that God has poured out his spirit, but then what does that mean then for how we are living as his people, empowered by his spirit, made alive by his spirit? And, um, and I'll tell you one of the things, well, two of the things that we see again and again with those who have the spirit of God uh, throughout the New Testament is, um, one, they're always pointing to Jesus, pointing people to Jesus, uh, we see this I mentioned John the Baptist as somebody who has uh, the Holy Spirit even before he's born, right? How about that? And then, like the the first thing you hear him ever doing is still before he's born. 
and it's when uh, Mary and Elizabeth come together while they're pregnant. And they're, when they get together, Elizabeth, uh, who has John the Baptist, <laughs> is going, ah, he, he has jumped in my belly. Like, he is alerting me. So she even says something like, uh, oh, let me get the words right here because this is... Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So it was, <laughs> before he's even born, he's pointing people to Jesus. How cool is that, right? This is what we see people doing when they have the Holy Spirit. They are pointing people to Jesus makes sense um and then the other thing that we see them doing is serving others in love and so you see like the uh gifts of the spirit talked about throughout and, the, and it's always in the same uh sense of it's that the gifts of the spirit are given for the purpose of serving others in love and so when you see people who are pointing people to jesus and serving others in love it's like hey i think i may know where that comes from And this is what Paul is then talking about, is saying, this is what we are doing as a church. This is uh, like God's Holy Spirit has been given to us for a purpose, and we are to be those who are living by his Spirit. Uh, However, there is another way of living. It's the ways of the world, right? And this is what was happening in the church in Corinth. We've talked about the geography of uh, where Corinth was, and this is a, a place where people would stop over uh, from their uh, sea adventures uh, (laughs) and would stay while they were moving the boats across the little narrow piece of land. And there was just a lot of, say, worldliness in Corinth. And, um, And yet... What the uh, what Paul keeps telling the church in Corinth is, is to live by the Spirit of God is to live very differently than to live in the worldly ways. And so he's in this section in this book talking about the unity that we have because they've been divided. Divided just like the world divides, 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 divides. And he is saying to them, as a church, we have reason to be united. And so he has talked about the unity that we have in Christ. He's talked about the unity that we have in the message of Christ. And now uh, he talks about, or, yeah, and then, uh, and now he's talking about the unity that we have even as those who have the Spirit of God. That there should be a unity that is a part of that. Um, and yet, he does mention, it's not necessarily going to be something that is recognized by the rest of the world. Uh, those who do not have the Spirit of God are probably not going to recognize that as uh, anything that is um, that is real wisdom. But those who do know that it is. We talked a while back, uh, a couple weeks ago, about the uh, that difference of being inside or outside. We talked about the caverns of Sonora and how if you've ever been down there, you know that how it looks while you're in the caverns <laughs> is amazing. But if you're outside of the caverns, just look. it looks just like every other piece of land around it. It doesn't look like there's anything special there. And uh, so that perspective difference of being outside and inside makes a difference. And so it is with those who uh, have the Spirit of God and those who don't. And this is where uh, he is reminding 
the church in Corinth as those who have uh, the Spirit of God. Yeah, it's true. But uh, this is not a... Verse 6 says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Like There is a wisdom of this world that people will recognize as wisdom, and he said, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is what has been revealed to us by God in Jesus Christ. What we're, what we're talking about is pointing people to Jesus and to the message of the cross and to the message of reconciliation that we have uh, with God and with each other because of Jesus Christ. This is what we speak. And it doesn't make sense to people who don't have the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God in them that uh, is able to recognize this and appreciate it for what it is. And, um, and this is where he says in verse 7, uh, you know, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began, that being the message of Jesus. Uh, and it says, none of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You ever think about that? Think about this. You've got the, uh, the rulers of this age. And it's like, was that talking about like the um, like Pilate and, the, <laughs> and Herod and those kinds of rulers? Or is it talking about like the devil and you know, demons, that kind of you know, rulers of this age? And either way you take it, this still makes sense. Because think about this. What he's saying is uh, God had been saying what he was going to do, that he is going to uh, provide the Savior and the Messiah and who was going to do certain things, but there was, uh, there was this part that was not understood. There's some things in the prophets who are speaking by the Spirit of God, who are saying some things that you look back at it later and you're like, oh my goodness, you read Isaiah 53 and you go, how much clearer could it be? <laughs> but it's a lot easier to understand looking back after the cross than it was heading to the cross. And so even Jesus' own disciples, when he's telling them plainly, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die, and they're like, hmm, what do you think he means by that? <laughs> or just kind of skipping over it and going, yeah, but hey, can I sit on your right and left, you know, when you come in your glory? <laughs> Have you not been paying attention? But it's because the wisdom of the world is very, Different, And this is still the way they were seeing things up until um, after his crucifixion, after his resurrection. That had been kept hidden until then. Because think about it, this is where we're going. If um, the rulers of this age, be they you know, spiritual rulers or physical you know, flesh and blood people, either way, if they had known that it's through the death and resurrection of Jesus, that their own evil would be done away with? Would they have done it? That's why he says, if they had known, if they had understood, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It's, uh, they were sealing their own fate, uh, thinking they were doing what it took to win, and in doing so, absolutely, uh, were losing. But this is uh, what now we can see by the Spirit of God. And this is 
However, it is, is it written, verse 9, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. And then he goes on and talks about the, uh, man, if you don't tell somebody what you're thinking, do they know what you're thinking? I don't know what you're thinking, so I don't know. He says, yeah, who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? And so you have that. And he says, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. But then he's, he's communicated this to us. He's given us his spirit so that we may understand what he has freely given us. In other words, we are able to understand uh, the gift of salvation that we have in Jesus. We are able to understand the, um, the beauty of the gospel of Jesus because of the Spirit of God. It says, this is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Explaining spiritual reality with Spirit-taught words. Uh, another way to translate that, this is a really tricky way, uh, tricky phrase in Greek because you just have like this word Spirit that gets used, like spiritual, 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 kind of back to back to back. But the way that it's used, you kind of, each one is kind of marked as a different part of speech. And then in English, that's not how we talk, so you kind of have to put it together in some way. And I think uh, kind of the, um, the best way of saying it in English that helps us understand why this is such a tricky phrase is because the two ways you could say it is explaining the spiritual by the spiritual or explaining the spiritual to the spiritual. And you're like, wait, the spiritual what? It doesn't say. And then by the spiritual of what or to the spiritual of what? It doesn't say. <laughs> and you're like, well, we don't really do that in English. Um, and so that's where you get explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words, um, which makes sense here in this context. But it's uh, basically, it's not, the, it's not the wisdom of the world that is communicating the wisdom of God. It is the spirit. It is the wisdom of God's spirit that is communicating the wisdom of the message of Jesus. And um, then verse 14, this person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. You ever seen any examples of this in, in the Bible, even, of people who did not have the Spirit and so did not understand the things that came from the Spirit of God, but considered them foolish? I know. Not everybody uh, is familiar with everything in the Bible, and so you may have a uh, bit to think about there. But I also know we didn't read the story of Pentecost this morning. <laughs> Talked about it a little bit, but there's an example right there of people who are hearing uh, the proclamation of the good news of Jesus, this gospel message of salvation, and there are people going, I think they're drunk. <laughs> they just consider it foolishness. They don't recognize it uh, for the good news that it is and the wisdom that it is. Um, that is not the only place you see such an example. I'll leave you to find others. <laughs> Verse 15 says, the person with the Spirit makes judgment of, about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. 
For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And this is... Uh, oops, hang on a second. Uh, this is a quote from Isaiah 40. This, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And it's a list of things that are kind of, in essence, saying, who is like the Lord? There's nobody like him. Any, can somebody teach God anything? No, we're not the ones that teach him anything. He knows everything. That kind of thing. It's a, uh, a way of saying that God is greater than everything. And then Paul picks up on this line and is like, so we've always heard it that way. But what's amazing is now, in some sense, we do. Uh, we do actually know the mind of the Lord, not as to instruct him, but we do know the mind of the Lord because we have the mind of Christ. This is how Paul understands what it means to, um, to be enlivened by the Spirit and to have this connection to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That we have the mind of Christ. That we do see the beauty in, um, in his self-sacrificing love for us. And this is where, you know, if you turn to a book like Philippians, uh, where he's saying all the time it's just um, chapter 2 verse 5 in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus in chapter 4 I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord Um, and then chapter 2 verses 1 and following it's Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking, out, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. That's where he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then goes on to explain how Jesus has uh, given himself for us. And, uh, and this is where I said at the beginning that we see these two things with those who are made alive by the Spirit of God. Not only are we able to uh, understand things we couldn't understand before, but what we see are these two things. One is pointing people to Jesus. This is what it means to, uh, yeah, to have, uh, like when he says, who has known the mind of the Lord, but we have the mind of Christ. And the other is to then serve others in love. This is also what it means to have the mind of Christ. Um, Is this something that we just reason our way to? No. Uh, This is something that is revealed to us uh, by God's word and by his spirit. And my prayer is that everybody who hears his word will be uh, made alive by his spirit, that we would have unity as his people, as those who are alive uh, by his spirit, and that going forth, we would live uh, not as the world lives, not as we used to live, not in the ways of the world anymore, but live as those who have the spirit of God and who are enlivened and empowered by his Holy Spirit 
to do the things that he has called us to do and to be the people he has made us to be in relationship with him through Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we do thank you for... Um, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. God, we thank you for your amazing love for us. And God, we pray that you would help us um, as those who are prone to wander. Pray you'd help us uh, to stay close to you. God, as those who are uh, prone to uh, complain when we don't understand what you're doing, we pray that you would help us to remember how you have provided in the past and to trust you in our present and even for the future. And God, we pray that you would help us as those who are um, hesitant to proclaim uh, the good news of Jesus to a world that might consider that foolish. God, to be uh, to be bold in um, in proclaiming this good news that we would speak the truth, that we would do so in love, now that there would be a, um, a proclaiming of the truth that, uh, that may be difficult to understand or to hear. But God, help it not to be more difficult than it needs to be. Help us to speak your truth in love, with gentleness, with respect. Lord, we know what it is to be on the outside. We know what it is to be on the inside. Lord, help us to have grace with those who are on the outside, helping them to to be able to see that you would pour out your spirit on them as well. Uh, they would be able to come to recognize the beauty of the gospel and the love you have for your people. We pray this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. We forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and power and the glory forever. Amen.